Hello there, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 25 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hello Hypnosis friends and a warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again in my own highly biased opinion I think I have a quarter centurion scorcher of a show lined up for you today. In a short while I'll be sharing with you an interview with hypnotherapist Mr Craig Galvin. This week our interview and discussion happens all at once in one big hit. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We'll then round things off with this week's hypnosis factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. This podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis, and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests, and at times we have major differences in approach and stance, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have great respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle dot com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the Hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today is this week's interview. I'm delighted to be welcoming Craig Galvin. I've had plenty of contact with Craig over recent years. Not only have we frequented the same conferences, but Craig rolls his sleeves up and offers much advice, support, ideas and experiences on many a hypnosis forum online. I mentioned the word support there because Far from simply spoiling for a rumble, as many people with strong opinions do in online forums, Craig asserts his very well-informed stance in a highly respectful and agreeable fashion and also offers friendship and goodwill to all men. He certainly has done so for me and I really appreciate that. He has much to say on hypnosis but also some fascinating insight and invaluable experience with clients on some very specific applications of therapeutic hypnosis that he shares readily here today. So, get comfy my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea, enjoy this week's interview and discussion. So, as I've just been discussing, I have with me today our guest, the one and only Mr. Craig Galvin. Welcome to Hypnosis Weekly, Craig. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, great. Now, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all the better for having you here. Um, now, tell me, first of all, um, tell us a bit about yourself. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this field. Tell us a bit about your background and how you arrived at where you are now. Ah, oh, okay. Um, I got into the field of hypnosis about oh, pushing on nearly eight years ago now. Mm. 
Um, I was really heavily into martial arts, self-defense, all that kind of stuff, bounced through various different martial arts. Um, and literally the topic of NLP came up in one of the classes about seven or eight years ago. Yeah. I'd never heard of it, didn't have a clue, not, you know, never seen it in any books or anywhere else. Um, and it was basically being used to model um, the kicks and punches and throws of everybody else in the class. And we were told it'd be a lot easier if we just copy what other people do and it'll help you hone your skills a bit quicker. Mm. So we were all going along with it, didn't have a clue. Um, and I came home and I mentioned it to a couple of friends and they said, well, yeah, I've heard about it. We used it in the office and there's matching and mirroring and rapport and anchoring. Not a clue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sat there at the time and the way that I was training, I was putting in roughly about two or three hours a day every day. Um, and I thought, well, if it helps, why not? Looked into the work of Richard Bandler. Um, watched basically as many videos as I could of his, bought all his books, um, started reading through all about the matching, the mirroring, the pacing, the leading, um, systematically trying it out on anybody and everybody. Got some hit and miss results, um, basically because I was just going via the books and no hands-on teaching, so to speak. Mm. Um and then I got to the chapter on hypnosis and I thought, well, I've never really seen hypnosis be used in NLP in the way that it had been taught to us and been shown in the class. Um, that was my first encounter um, with the information via Mr. Anthony Jackwin. Right. Stumbled across reality as plastic. Yeah. Um, bought the book. It was the first book that I bought on hypnosis. So I dropped Anthony an email. Yeah. Um, you know, asked him a little bit about it. Got the book. It arrived in my hands. I was there flicking through like an excited kid at Christmas. Does this really work? It can't really be that simple. Yeah. Um, and I remember Anthony saying to me in the very first email, enjoy the book. It's a deep rabbit hole. But if you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm sure Anthony now kind of regrets that because, you know, I pestered him like mad with questions all the time on on email just bouncing them back and forth and you know true to his word he you know he did say that he would reply to basically anything that i sent over um and He's then it good was like that isn't he oh anthony's brilliant he really is um i mean i can honestly say that you know i, I didn't delve into the world of therapy or anything else first i literally started off with just the stuff in reality is plastic um, and it's one thing to this day that, you know, it's still on my shelf. I still refer to it. I still flick back through it. And anybody who's just starting, or even if they've been doing it years and never heard of it, I still get them to go out, you know, purchase the book, have a look through, because they, they will learn a lot from it. Um, drove my missus completely bonkers up the walls. No, you're not practicing on me. It's not happening. Don't do it. No, just leave me alone. Not interested. So I literally went out to friends, family, um, social gatherings, local meetups, um, volunteer clubs that I used to go to, um, and everybody said, well, I hear you're doing hypnosis. But I didn't tell them that I'd only just started two or three weeks before. Yeah, 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 I've been dabbling in this for about four or five years. Have you? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really easy. Look, I just want you to do this. And lo and behold, the first time I'd done kind of my instant induction, um, as, as they're kind of termed, yeah. I was 
their eyes their eyes closed, their head slumped forward, they just sat there in the chair, and I'm like punching the air silently, as I'm sure everybody's <laughs> kind of done when they, when they first, you yeah. know, kind of learnt this. Um, completely forgot to deepen, and just as they sat there, kind of, you know, twitching, started to move, the best deepener I could come out with was literally saying the word deeper about eight times on the trot. And then for the next 45 minutes, just made up all sorts of inductions, played around, um, cured my first phobia doing that one with the, with the, um, the instant induction at that time. Mm. And then literally that's all I'd done. Um, literally day in, day out for weeks and weeks on end. Um, bought the book of, um, obviously, Hypnotherapy by Dave Elman. Got really engrossed into that. I finished that book in about two days and then read it again. Um, and then systematically, the people who I had helped with phobias got their friends, their family, can you help so-and-so stop smoking? So-and-so wants to lose weight. So, well, okay, so, yeah, I don't see why not. We'll give it a shot. And I was purely going by what was in kind of Dave's book. And I just kept getting results over and over. Um I mean, they, they weren't, obviously, as you're starting, not everything's kind of perfect every time, as it isn't kind of now. That's why we refine and tweak what we do. Yeah. Um, but I was so amazed at what you could actually do. I'd done this roughly, and I've said this on various forums, and people may already know this, but I'm pretty much 100% self-taught. Mm. Um with reference to hypnosis, NLP, I've had some kind of formal training and got the certificates and that sort of stuff. Um, but hypnosis, it's purely from what I've read, um, what I've watched, who I've studied, who I've hung out with. Um, and literally, if anything didn't seem to work, I break it down to its constituent parts and rebuild it and see what I can leave out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, then- and that's one of the things that really comes across when people communicate with you, I think, and, and people get to know you. Yeah. And, and how you communicate this you know I, I think that comes across it's one of the reasons that i was so keen to have you come and be a guest on hypnosis weekly because i love that oh thank you it's it, it is it's one thing i mean that's just me that's what i do with with practically everything that i'm doing mm. um you know it, it could be something as simple as making a cheesecake but you know you break it down into its constituent parts and you don't have the whole thing without building up but if it wasn't for um, a, a gentleman that you know, Gordon Brown, that you met at Change yeah. for Not Year, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I literally wouldn't be out there doing it in the capacity that I am at the moment with you know the friends that I've got, such as yourself and Gary and Anthony, because I turned around to Gordon, who qualified a year or so before me, um, qualified in kind of like you know air quotation marks. Yeah. Um, because I kept saying to him, no, no, well, I haven't got the time to go and do a formal course. I, I, you know, I'm not quite sure. I can't be bothered. You know, it's a week away. Um, and he sat there and says, well, what's your excuse? I, said, oh, I, I just can't be bothered. So he literally organized the course that he'd found um, for me. He yeah. negotiated a deal because he knew one of the people on the course that he'd, he'd heard about before and said, look, somebody else is going to come do it as well. Can we get a discount? Um, he spoke to a couple of our friends in Manchester and organised for me to stay there with them um, for the week so I didn't have to bother with a hotel. Cool. Um, he says, well, I'm going up to spend the weekend and the week with my friends anyway, so I may as well give you a lift. We'll all go up. So literally, we just made a week of it. Right. Uh, I went up to Manchester, and at this point, I've been doing it two years. Yeah. Uh, 
on and off. That was, I'd, I'd done street, I'd done impromptu, I'd done demonstrations, I'd cured fears, phobias, you know, anxiety, all that sort of stuff. And I got sat down in a class and I was told to read a script. And I literally hadn't seen one. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd seen books on them, but I'd never purchased one. Mm. And I remember the tutor in class saying, well, just read through it. And that's all you've got to do. And then just give them some suggestions. And so I think, well, this doesn't equate all my stuff. I've been doing it 30 seconds, two minutes. That's, that's, that's not right. Mm. And um, she says, well, you can pair off with this lady. She's, she's got some anxiety. I says, well, okay. I says, well, do you mind if I do my own inductions? I says, because I'm not too kind of keen on these. I says, no, no, she says, stick to this and see how it works. I spoke to the lady on break and she says, Craig, I, I feel no better. She says, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Says, oh, okay. Um, fine. I says, well, you come sit at the side with me for two minutes. I says, like, we're going to do this a little bit different. And um, I've done like the Jacqueline power lift out of reality is plastic yeah. and you know she kind of dropped she was happy as larry and you know done yeah. the t- deepener that was in the book and went through it, it took us literally about five minutes and you know she said it's just no she says it's gone she says i, I feel absolutely hooray <laughs> yeah and it, it was to me it was it was amazing because i've been doing this day in day out and when people ask me they says well were you doing it for a day you know, um, like four or five hours a day, or this that, and the other, go two or three times a week. I says no. I says I wasn't. I says I threw myself so into it that you know my, my missus, you know Jane, um, my better half, as everybody calls her. Um, you know, she was out doing what she was doing, volunteering, um, seeing friends and family, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I'd have my head in books and practical stuff, eight, nine, ten hours a day. Every single day from the moment the kids went to school, I'd see them when they came in. I'd bod off back um, to a different room, start reading, and I became completely unsociable because I got so wrapped up in it. Yeah. To the point I was doing it minimum eight to eleven hours a day, seven days a week, and I—that's all I'd done for two years straight. Yeah. Everything. Um, so that—that's basically where I got started. But anything that I could read, watch, um, experience, and you know, yeah. I, just, I just couldn't understand why people were out there reading all these scripts and sitting there and saying, well, it's really hard to do. And I'm thinking, well, all I've done is read a book and followed the instructions and, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. You know, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm torn there because, you know, I, 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 in one hand, I think it's lovely to hear. Um, I'm yeah. really good to hear. And, and you, you know, I, I find you and your approach and the way in which you do things both humbling and, I'm really inspiring. But yeah. then on the other hand, it's a bit disappointing because, you know, um, I'm, I'm, it's a shame that, 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 that there is that there is training out there that perhaps is not not satisfying um, um, what, what, what it needs to. Yeah. Um, um, so, so. So within within your within, you know, your exploration then, which I know has been thorough and yeah. within your your sort of um, your investigation. How do you define hypnosis? You know, tell us a little bit about how you then arrived at that d- definition and, and, and how you then explain it to other people or, or clients or, or just, you know, peers. At this moment in time, it, it, to be honest, Adam, it's, I think it's the same as everybody. It kind of changes consistently depending on what we experience and what we do. But at the moment, mm. um, I define hypnosis for me 
um, as a way to help people change their responses to any given stimuli mm. um, by being able to focus their imagination in a manner in which their perception of what has taken place, okay, or you want to take place, can be guided to a place where it runs like an automatic program. Mm. Basically, nothing more and nothing less. Um, and the reason I've kind of came to that conclusion was, was it Anthony called it, I believe, permanosis. Yeah. Um, and I, I was playing around with somebody one day um, doing some hypnosis, and it was curing a phobia on one side, and somebody else was, you know, just stood there watching. And I remember just looking at this person and just saying, well, do you think you can move? Imagine if you couldn't. Yeah. And I, I hadn't done anything else to them, but they, they were just stuck fast. They couldn't move. But I hadn't done any induction. I hadn't, you know, primed them in any way. I'd done no pre-talk. They were just stood there watching. <laughs> and that started kind of alarm bells ringing. It's like, well, if I haven't had to go through a pre-talk or set pieces or an induction or a deepener, why did that work? Well, yeah. and, you know, at, at the time, you know, I, di I didn't have an extreme amount of knowledge on it. I mean, I still don't compared to, you know, the likes of Mr. Turner, for instance. Yeah. Um, but I found that just by using the words imagine, focus, if you can concentrate and lock your mind around this thought, then it became a lot easier to be able to get certain responses from people. Mm. Um, but I really do like the fact that if we can tap into people's perception of what they think, how they think, and what they've experienced, we can get them to a place where they can easily change that frame of thinking just by pointing out just a couple of nuances in it. Yeah. And then that automatically starts a different chain of thinking. Well, if that is possible, what else can I build on? Mm. And I think once you've kind of got that, um, it, it, it's a lot easier to kind of move things forward. And it, it, for me, it just gives you a little bit more leeway. Yeah. Uh, which is why I love James Tripp's, you know, hypnosis without trance. I, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, incorporate I that in my work as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, um, you, for, for, for people that are regular listeners, you'll know that actually Craig, this is not Craig's first feature on Hypnosis Weekly. <laughs> he, he was mentioned in the Gary Turner episode because oh, there was this very, very cute exchange on Facebook between the two of you where Gary had put, uh, Gary put a picture of him uh, of a book that he he'd been oh, reading and yeah. he'd, he'd got highlighter pen and scribbles and notes and all yeah. kinds of stuff on it and you were saying Craig had been saying um, <laughs> uh, that this was sacrilege you shouldn't treat <laughs> books like that and Gary oh. had Gary had Gary's retort was that he doesn't read books he studies them yeah and um, um, um yeah and and, and this funny little exchange between the two of you it really tickled me and so um, um I, I mentioned that before yeah. um, um so tell me a little bit of about about those i mean you've mentioned gary um and yeah. anthony jackwin and, and and you know you can you can build us you can build more of a picture upon those guys yeah um, um but i mean i mean who are your major influences in this field you know um are there some books and authors that have taught you more than others um i mean some of the things that have been more influential upon you and could you give us a little bit of an idea as to to the reasons why yeah sure um for me the the couple of base points where I, I always talk to people when they're starting, mm. um, I always refer to, like I've said, Reality is Plastic by Anthony. Yeah. Um, great. I mean, that, that had a massive impact on me. I mean, I literally used to carry that book everywhere just to try out new inductions. Yeah. Um, the work of Dave Ellman. I mean, his book, 
um, was for me at the time it was groundbreaking mm. because there were so many people that had come to me, excuse me, and sit there and say, well, you know, I've had this phobia for seven, eight years. You know, I've had counselling. I've I've been to see a therapist. Um, you know, we've tried to work through it. We've spoke about it, but it doesn't go away. Yeah. And literally within 15, 20 minutes, they were, you know, they were happy to, to continue along their way just by the work of what was written in his book. So Dave's work had, had a massive and still does in certain aspects um, influence on me because it underpins 90% of what I do. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say that is because people come to me and they say, well, yeah, but I've, I've got X, Y, Z, okay? It doesn't matter whether it's anxiety or a phobia or they stop smoking, whatever it is, they all have a starting point, whether they realize it or they don't. It all has, and that's what I took from Dave's work. It was, well, everything has a starting point. Therefore, you know, you, you can do what they call, you know, the effect bridge, you can regress the cause. I don't like those personally, but if I can pinpoint near enough to round about that time or that experience, I can help obviously then recode it. Mm. Um, other influences, uh, James Tripp, obviously his, his work, uh, you know, that, that was brilliant. Just some stuff like the idiodynamic lever. Um, yes. I, I, I use an awful lot, I must admit, um, with habits and phobias especially. Um, because I think there's something so powerful for somebody to be able to see the result, not just kind of feel it, but actually see when they can release and let things go. Yeah. Um, James' work, I absolutely love. Um, other stuff, um, Andy Austin um, mm. is another one, because I've signed up to his online courses for PTSD um, and his metaphors in the attic as well. And I think his work as well, especially around PTSD, helped me kind of realize how and what an in-depth field that is yes. you know because I, I see a hell of a lot of posts online as you will as, as anybody will where people sit there and say well this cure works nine times out of ten for PTSD yeah. and that to me I've seen CDs being you know kind of advertised it's oh listen to this and get rid of your PTSD and it's oh, it's not that simple right. you know um, so I love kind of Andy's take on all that, all that sort of stuff and how kind of upfront he is. Yeah. Um, I think a couple of authors that have been mentioned before, I think Gary mentioned them, um, as well would be, uh, the works of Robert Scaver and Ronald Rudin. Yeah. Um, like when the past is always present, the body yeah. bears the burden, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it, it wouldn't be the same if I didn't mention kind of like the work of Gary as well. Yeah. Um, because... I've got to thank him in kind of more ways than one because we challenge each other um, and we'll set each other little challenges or we'll give each other, you know, little kind of protocols to play around with and strip them down and refine them and basically try and break them and see where we can take them. When I first met you in real life, Gary yeah. introduced you to me as his partner in crime. Yeah. Um, 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 yeah. Gary Turner said to me, "Yeah, this is Craig Galvin, my yep. partner in crime." And yep. um, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I, I like that. It's I've, I've, I do have 
you know, an enormous amount of respect for all, all the guys that, you know, I've spoken to and who I've met. I mean, yourself included, because as you know, I'm going through your hypnosis um, boot camp in the minute, the platinum. Mm. Um, I'm going through that, which I think is, is brilliant because I'm picking up certain nuances that, you know, I hadn't really thought of before, mm. Mm. which is, I think, for me, one of the bonuses of being self, you know, self-trained yeah. and self-taught. I'm not stuck in an indoctrinated way where it's been drummed into me in a class. Well, that's a really valid point, you know, a really valid point. And I, I want to emphasise that point. And I hope that listeners really pick that up. And, and because so many people get taught away, and I've said this, and I've said this repeatedly, get taught by a school or a college, that and, and, and then they get invested in what was taught and, and just dogmatically entrench themselves in that. And one of the things that I find so refreshing about your own approach is that you know if if something doesn't work or if something works better, yeah. you know you you will su- you will let that be superseded. You know you will yield to it. You know yeah. um, um, regardless. And and you know I, I I really enjoy that. The one I think the one thing that really stands out for me is I've I've had a couple of people recently contact me and say that they've been on training courses, um, and they've tried to help people with, you know certain problems that they've approached them with and they've they found that what they've been taught in class you know mm. they've been taught well this works 90 percent of the time just do this follow it in this wording and what i say to everybody is i i never walk in to see a client with a script pieces of paper um i don't have a session plan i don't sit there and say well you know i've got eight techniques to try today and if they don't work i'll go home and they'll come back next week mm. As Barry Thane says, and it, you know, I got this from him, and it, I think it sums up the way, not necessarily you should work, but the way that I work, and it works for me, is I treat the person, not the problem. Mm. Because I think when some, some people are so entrenched in a dogma of this technique works, that technique works, you say this and this happens, yeah. they miss certain nuances with the client where they'll be screaming it in spades. It might only be two words out of a whole paragraph, but those two words could be the linchpin to be able to get in and help them, you know, get the resolution. Yeah. And with everybody that I've kind of, that's come to me for either mentoring or advice, I say to every one of them, you know, do you feel confident in what you're doing? Just speaking to a client and just seeing what their language say. Yeah. And the majority of the time they, they said, well, no, I wasn't taught that in a class. I says, but you're interacting with a person, not a piece of paper, not a technique. You know, I says, essentially, what they're doing is they're coming to see you, not the folder that you're sat with. Yeah. And hmm. it does shake a lot of people because, as you as you know, we, there's there's there goes there's debates online. There's you know, there's all sorts of slangy matches and everything else. And it, it is great for people to bolster their ego. I, I don't care. I, I never have. Mm. I'm in it and I will use whatever works at whatever time for whatever client for the right reason to get the right result. Yeah. And I don't care if I think it's complete, you know, rubbish. I'll sit there and say, well, if they buy into it, fine, I'll give it a go. I don't care as long as it helps get them a result. Mm. And that's why... You know, I've, I've had people send me messages and text messages and phone calls. Oh, well, I can't believe, you know, you said this on, about this. So, so I said, well, hold on. I says, I never slate anybody, you know, um, with reference to kind of what they what they sit there and think about. 
you know, mm. with regards to clients, I says, I always just sit there and just point it out in a way where, yeah, but what would happen if you'd done this? And they're going, well, I don't know. Neither do I. But mm. Craig, where do you practice your new techniques? Where do you think? With a client. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm not, I don't sit there in front of a mirror for 10 hours a day. I do it in a client session. Mm. I don't tell them it's a new technique. I don't tell them it might work better than something else. I just try it and see the results that I get, and then I refine that, um, which I think, you know, that's why I've got a lot of respect for, you know, the guys that I have learned from, you know, yourself and James and Gary and Adam and, and all the rest of the guys that I could throw in there mm. because I take something from every one of you, and I've got no problem sitting there and talking to you or any of the guys and going, but I think you're wrong. Mm. Okay, and I've had numerous kickings for that on various forums, <laughs> but it, it's great because I love it and I learn from it because I know nothing is personal. Mm. You know, it just helps, and if you can help one person improve what they do regarding helping somebody who's coming to you for that help, fine, kick away. I don't care. You can you can kick me all day long if I learn something. Yeah, really, really doesn't bother me. But I love that. Um, um I really like that. Um. Um, and I think that mindset is one that, um, um, you know, there are elements of it that I would just love to encourage in more and more and more people uh, within these fields. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so um, um, tell us a little bit about, I mean, some of the experiences and some of the some of the direct applications, because you know, you've worked with a lot of people. What's, what's some of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed, Craig? Um. Oh. I get asked this a lot online as well, and I, I see it posted in a lot of places. Um, I could be really egotistical and say it was the time I took away this, you know, from a client. Mm. Um, but that was how I was when I started. Mm. You know, I took away your phobia. I stopped you smoking. I And I very soon fell into the mindset, and it, it, it was a bad one, which I'll you know, I think there's, you know, it will crop up later on, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but it was, a, it was a mindset along the lines of, well, what would I want if I was in your position? And I kept tailoring my, my work with the clients that I was working with, with what I'd like if it was me. And then found that kind of incongruent setting. It was like, well, why doesn't this work all this? Why? I'm, it, it worked with, you know, Joe two weeks ago but it didn't work with Harry you know yesterday and it was because it was what you know I would have wanted if I'd have come to see you or Gary or anybody else I wasn't tailoring it to the client specifically mm. um, but the most impressive mm, I think the best one for me or at least one of them mm. was a lady I used to volunteer um a group for people where they'd come along low income housing right. um, they you know they'd come along they, they wouldn't have a lot of money to go and pay for prescriptions or CGPs or didn't have access to counsellors that sort of thing mm. um, and I went to one of the meetings and a, a lady came out she couldn't have been in I think she was in her late 20s um, early 30s perhaps mm. and she said to me oh, Craig can I come and see you and she walked over and her head was bowed down bless her and she turned around, she said, well, can I see you? Because um, I've got a fear of driving. I said, mm. oh, have you? Okay, I says, fine. Yeah, I says, no problem. I says, I can see you 
on Friday, this was on the Wednesday. She says, yeah, yeah, she says, that'd be great. I says, what time would you like? She says, well, about 10 o'clock. She said, no problem. Booked her in and she came in. She walked in very kind of sheepish, um, very, very shy, very shy. Um, and it, it, it took us about three sessions. But in, in the first one, she turns around and she says, well, yeah, she says, I, I want to get rid of my fear of driving. I says, yeah, no problem. Tried a, tried a rapid induction, didn't work. Tried a Dave Elman induction, didn't work. Tried a progressive relaxation, didn't work. So I thought, oh, okay. Oh, mm, not, not, uh, I don't quite know what to do here now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, uh, as she told me, she went, oh, I've seen two of the hypnotists. So I, oh, right, okay. And three counsellors, right, okay. And a psychotherapist, um, okay. Mm. And I've been on medication for the past 12 years. Right, oh, one of those. Right, okay. I said, well, you know, because I, I'm usually one for just going and go. right, you know, what can I help you for? What do you want? You know, I, I don't do the big intake forms. I don't spend an hour taking all the notes, as, as I said earlier. And maybe if I had have done, that I'd have known all this. Mm. Um, so I, I came away from the session at the end, and I left it with one, one kind of suggestion out of kind of hypnosis. Um, well, usually what happens is, Sometimes when people go home and they think about what they've done today, they'll realise what it is that they want to work towards for the next session. I says, "Oh yeah, okay." And she went away. And she'd come back the following week, and I was on. And I was on to Gary. I was on to Jeff Stevens. I was posting it on bloody forums. I said, "Look, this hasn't worked. You know, I, I've never had this fail as badly as it did today. What am I doing wrong?" Mm. And Jeff Stevens and I. You know, I've got all the love in the world for what Jeff taught me, um, you know, but he turned around to me and he, he called me on Skype and he just said, look, he says, I'm not being funny, Craig. He says, you need a kick. I says, well, I know that. He says, no, he says, no, he says, literally, he says, what happens is you let your client take control of the session. That doesn't happen. Mm. You walk in, you take control. It's like you are the teacher. They are the student. If they don't like it, tell them to get the hell out and close the door behind them. Mm. And I sat there and thought, well, I've never kind of thought about doing that, to be honest, because everybody's just, they've, they've been fine. Yeah. And I went into the second session and this lady turned around to me, she says, oh, I'm not here just for the the driving. And I just looked and says, I know. And she says, well, you know what I'm here for? I said, yeah. And, you know, she'd been abused earlier in her life. Mm. Um, and she'd been carrying it round for 15 years, but she'd been on antipsychotics, you know, all sorts of medication, and nobody could help her. Right. And literally, I just sat down to her and I said, look, I said, it's going to seem harsh. Sit your backside down in the chair. I said, look, you're wasting my time. You're wasting your time. I said, if you don't want a beer, fine. I've got other people I could be helping. You can go and feel sorry for yourself. You know, there's the door. Don't let it hit you in the backside on the way out. <laughs> and... You know, she sat, she just sat, but you can't talk to me like that. I says, I just did. I says, at the end of the day, there's other people who want my help too. If you don't want it, get out. Yeah. And I sat there and I'm thinking, God, this isn't, this isn't going to go to plan. And she just, she perked up, looked at me and just went, fair enough. Done a rapid induction. Got through the, the driving phobia and a couple of others. Boosted her confidence a little bit. She'd come back the following week. She'd had a driving lesson. And then yeah. the last session, she turned around and she says, can I get rid of it now? Yeah, and it took us 25 minutes, half an hour, 
and she was she was sat there in hypnosis and tears streaming down her face and she stood up gave me a massive hug massive massive hug i'll never forget it Mm. and she's crying her eyes out just saying for the first time in my life i am free you know uh, and i literally didn't know what to say so me being me i just kind of looked at her and went you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) because it's all i could kind of think i'd I'd never seen that before i'd never worked with it anything Mm. like that Mm. you know the most complex thing i'd had i think was some anxiety and a depression case and maybe an alcoholic that that was it mm. and the way it changed her life was phenomenal yeah but you know i also helped a guy who had dyslexia for 25 years read perfectly in 15 minutes wow. you know and that, that to this day that is one of the simplest ones that i've ever done really ever you know and I've had I've debated with the kids' school about it because two of my girls got labelled with dyslexia, mm. and I spent ten minutes with them. You know, they read perfectly at home. Their comprehension is eighty-five plus percent. Their retention is ninety plus percent for the stuff they read, and it's because their handwriting is a little bit messy, like mine is, like yeah. anybody's is when they scribble. Yeah, and the educational psychologist turned around and basically says, "Well, I'm not being funny, but." It does exist. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Had the debate back and forth. And she says, well, all right, fair enough. I'll put it down to is how the children are taught, but we have to give them a label so we can flag it up. Yeah. So I was like, you're not giving my daughters labels. It's not happening. Labels become identities. Identities stick. No, that's not going to happen. And this guy came to me and... I literally just delved into his subconscious in quotation marks. Yeah. I said, look, I says, do you know what the problem is? I says, yeah. I says, right. I says, well, you open your eyes and stay in hypnosis. I've got idiomotor signals on one hand and a book in the other. I says, right. I says, I want you to watch this. I says, can you read that book? So, oh, yeah, but the words are shaking. Okay. Went for the typical direct suggestion route. Um, subconscious, can you stop the words from moving on the page? No. Okay, can you slow them down? Yes. Can you slow them down a bit more? Yes. Now can you stop them? Yes. Okay, great. I says, is there any words on the page that are, are a bit weird to you? He says, oh, well, these, these two are upside down, and that word there has got an I missing in it. I says, right, well, hallucinate the letter I there. He says, yeah. I says, right, lock that in place. And he's going, what? I says, just do it. And he just looked, and it appeared. He says, well, these words are upside down. I says, turn them the other way up, lock them in place, do it with all the others. I says, yeah. So subconscious, is there a reason for him reading the way that he does? I says, because he gets headaches, he gets stressed, he gets angry. I says, and it's a vicious sign. Yes. Okay. Went to idiomotor voice instead and changed it. He says, yeah, he says, I was taught two different ways of reading. I said, what do you you mean you were taught two different ways? He says, I was taught in one school. He says, because I moved schools as a child. He says, I was taught in one school to do it phonetically. I says, yeah. He says, in another school, he says, I was taught a completely different way that I'd never heard of. And I went, mm. oh. I says, uh, subconscious, do you know which one would be better for him? He's like, yeah. I says, is it the kind of the alternate one that he was taught? No. Is it the phonetic alphabet like everybody reads? That? Yeah. Can you do something with the other one? Yeah. Can you can you kind of delete it? Just, just put it in a bin like it's a recycle. Just put it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if he does that, will he be able to read perfectly? Yes do that now make the changes get him to... and he sat there for the next 20 minutes just picking books off his shelf just reading magazines 
And then he, he rang me a week later. He says, Craig, I can speed read. Says, no, you can't. He says, I can. So went and started speed reading. And he just sat there and says, I've had this for 25 years. I was labelled as a dyslexic. Okay? But the one thing I've always taught anybody who I've worked with um, who wants to learn this sort of stuff, I always ask two questions. There's always two questions. One, have you always had it? And two, does it feel normal for you to have it? Mm. And the majority of people that I've spoken to went, well, I don't understand it. I says, well, if they've always had it, okay, they know no different. And, hey, I didn't think about this. Oh, what is it? It's like somebody who's Great born point. with one arm, yeah. for instance. They never know any different. Mm. I says, well, why do you ask, you know, does it feel normal to you? I says, think about it. No, it's okay. I says, every person with dyslexia that I've met, right? I says, it can be dysgraphia, it can be dyslexia. I says, don't get me wrong, not all of them are, you click your fingers and it goes away. Okay, we all know that, we all get different results. But the one thing that I found is everyone that I've asked when I've said, does it feel normal to you to have it? Every one of them have turned around and went, well, no, if it did, I wouldn't be questioning you, would I? Mm. well okay then that leads me to if it doesn't feel normal okay when did it start feeling abnormal to you and what were you like before and the majority of times that I've delved into it's been due to how they were taught in school Mm. and Mm. you know I've delved around looked into various schools various academic reports um, Ofsted reports and that, that's a whole kind of other debate for another time I might actually stick it on, on, on your forum and let people kind of have a read Yeah. Um, but there's a direct correlation between the amount of kids who are struggling with special needs as in dyslexia, dysgraphia, that sort of thing yeah. um, and Ofsted reports um, and the children being labelled as troubled children Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, but what they don't seem to understand is as I think I posted on your blog, um, dyslexia, you know, has the built-in kind of symptoms of stress, of anxiety, of temper tantrums, you know, of frustration. Well, of course it does. All that stuff that's comorbid, yeah. Yeah, so then, you know, they look at it and go, oh, let's pull out the DSMV and all that, oh, yeah, you've got dyslexia. No, they're just struggling with something and you haven't taught them correctly. Mm. And it, that sort of thing is amazing. I mean, I've seen kind of eczema just vanish um, mm. in the space of a week, gone from bleeding hands to perfectly normal. Um, I've had people with kind of like chronic back pain and it's just kind of vanished because it was due to an underlying trauma they had years ago in a car accident. Um, you know, the, the list goes on, but the thing that truly amazes me is the ability for people to accept the change and be able to move forward. You know, mm. That's the thing for me. I'd love to be able to sit there, and I, I suppose on a on a kind of bad day, if I speak to my missus, I do. But where I turn, I go, yeah, I done that, mm. but I don't. I just help facilitate. But they- I'm really interested in that, you know, because um, um, if someone's if someone's been labelled or or you know officially diagnosed with a very particular condition, yeah, you know, there's um, um, um it's it's you know. Th- 
the way in which they believe in that often yep. affects the, their their responses and their reactions. So I think you yep. know I just think it's brilliant to hear of that kind of result that you're getting. Yep. Um, I'm, I, and I know I know I'd not really sort of prepped with regards to this, but do you think that your own belief in your own skills and so on, um, um, and and your own belief in in the direction that you felt things could go helped yep. influence and affect that and, and frame it? Um, I'd have to be heavily biased on that and say yes, mm. um, because I'm one that, you know, I mean, I, I've got, you know, twin girls who are 14, my eldest daughter's uh, 15, she'll be 16 this year, and my son's 19, mm. um, and I'm a great one. They always see me studying, doing online courses, you know, mentoring people or whatever it is that I'm doing, and they always say to me, well, daddy, is it hard? Well, Yeah. It is. Well, do you struggle with it? And I'm completely honest with them. I will laugh and joke. Oh, no, 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 I'm a genius. It's easy. I says, but no, yeah. I do put in the work, you know. Yeah. And they they kind of look and, you know, they see me doing it. And then, you know, they know that they are capable of doing whatever it is they want to do. Um, but they know they have to work for it. But when I heard my, you know, my daughter at the time, she was 12 when she turned around to me and she says, yeah, but Daddy, I'm dyslexic. So, mm. well, where, where did you hear that? So, well, in school, school taught me. I says, well, your school hasn't told me, and I'm telling you, you're not. Who do you believe? No. And you know, me and me and Jane kind of delved into it, and we looked, and it was, well, no, we we can't see any reason for it. Sure, the kids get words mixed up now and again. All kids do when they're learning, you know. But we found out that when you're looking through that sort of thing and you talk to the teachers, they don't help them in any manner of fashion where they sit down and read with them anymore. Mm. Or if their handwriting is appalling, right? I've always said that handwriting to a certain extent is a skill. You practice it, you hone it, um, which is probably why mine's appalling unless I write really slowly. <laughs> um, but they give them iPads. They give them laptops to type it up instead. They don't, practice the physical action of writing anything yeah. but then the school moans and says they've got dysgraphia or dyslexia because their handwriting's poor but they've done yeah. nothing to fix it yeah, quite. so you know I, I have numerous debates with teachers about it I I hate it vehemently and I, I I don't like using the word hate but I really do hate the fact that children are labelled without any good indication at all you know um, of there being any other underlying symptom. Um, and they take the, the stress, the anxiety, the temper tantrums, the outbursts, the fidgeting in class of, you've got a problem. Yeah. No, they're struggling. Help yeah. them. Yeah. yeah. You see, you see, you know, um, um, that, that mindset and that tenacity of yours and that belief and everything else, you know, I think is a very important component in effective therapy. You know, um, um, I think I, I think what that also contributes to is a really good therapeutic alliance because the client, you know, finds you credible and finds yep. you believable and yep. perceives you in a very particular way. And, um, you know, that that um, is something that I wish more people, more people within our field would be beholden of and, and have. And, and, you know, it's really, really lovely to hear that. Um, um, and and. 
you, you know, to, to see that in action and to get to ask you a little bit about that. Um, yeah. um, I really appreciate that. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, um, tell me a little bit then, um, what are your thoughts about evidence-based approaches to hypnosis? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God, no. Oh, man, that's a hornet's nest. Yeah. Um, uh, heck, most of the questions, most of the questions are a hornet's nest. To be quite honest, that we ask here. Well, I, I, to be honest, I did say, you know, I, I was saying to Jane this morning, she had to pop out, and I said, oh, I says, if I had a massive question, I says it's just going to be, yeah, I'll give an answer to it, and I say, hey, what the hell? I'll, I'll do it online. It's no different on a podcast. Um, yeah. Oh, evidence-based approaches to me. Um, the way I sum it up is, if there's no evidence for what is being said then it's merely anecdotal. Okay, mm. it's essentially Chinese whispers. Prove it or it didn't happen. Mm. Um, now I know that's going to tick a lot of people off and there's potentially people who are going to kick me on forums for saying that, but I say it every day anyway, so not a problem. Mm. Um, the reason I like it is because I've been involved in debates and all the rest of it with various members of our, our kind of like leading peer group um, who have challenged people who have said well yes but i've cured cancer okay and that that really really touches a nerve with me i i know that we we're all professional but we all have a point where you just poke it and it's a little bit raw um that to me is one um and everyone that i've challenged i've been called names i've been told i'm stuck at my own backside i'm told i need to get out and do more research um you know but when i've asked for proof you know i've sat there and says well surely you've worked with medical professionals in a hospital in a hospice you know the the proof has been documented you've you've done it various different ways where it's been medication only hypnosis only a combination of the two you know where are the results how many people have you tried it on yeah. you know, oh well the doctor can back me up will give me the doctor's name i'll email him i'll quite happily give him a call i will ask him myself oh well you can't because you know i just sit there and the minute that comes out you know i literally just sit there and just say well I'm not being funny, prove it or it didn't happen. Yeah. Because there's so many things out there, claims on curing everything from cancer to Alzheimer's to Parkinson's, um, being able to have a technique, you know, in the hypnosis field that works with a problem 100% of the time. Yeah. Um, my issue with that, you know, when people are asked about their efficacy rates, they all claim, well, I've got a 95% success rate. Yeah. No, you haven't. You know, I, I don't care who you are. No, you haven't. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the, the reason they said, and you know, they argue that is, I've got a hundred percent success rate. I have for every single person that walked through my door that I was able to help in that moment when they left. Mm. Well, yeah. Do you follow up a month down the line? Two months, three months, six months, a year? Yeah, well, exactly. no, it's rare that I do that. Says so I do a two-week follow-up, a month, right? Then I leave it till three months. Then I do it at six months with a note in between if, if there's anything else that you need. I says, I want feedback, good, bad, or indifferent. I don't care either way. Because I mean, if how, can, it, how can you classify anything a success if you've not done any follow-up? You know, you can't base something absolutely. upon them yeah. leaving, leaving, saying, yes, I've, I, yes, I feel 
happier. Yes, I'm a non-smoker. You know, you can't just base your statistics upon that. Absolutely. Do do you test your clients? We'll test them for what? Well, if they come in and they're phobic, do you, you know, do you test their phobia? Do you make sure they're phobic before you start? And if they are, you know, are they phobic afterwards? Mm. Oh, well, not everybody has time for that. But a good therapist will. They will make time. You know, so I don't book in 20 clients a bloody day. You know, but the ones I have, I give my time 100% to. My focus is completely on that problem. Mm. I don't charge, you know, for seven, eight, nine sessions or whatever it is, or four or five sessions for smoking. If, and it's a good day, we manage to do it in one, they get charged for one. But when they leave, I always say to every single person that I help, if you need any other form of top-up regarding this issue, you shouldn't do, and it's not often that people come back. Mm. If you do, you give me a call, you come back in, and I won't charge you for the next session. Mm. Now, I know a hell of a lot of people who hate me doing that. <laughs> they, they hate me doing it. But I sit there and say, well, I'll charge you one flat-out fee. Okay, fine, you're coming to me for that problem. If I've missed something in that session that I know could have been cleared up, I'll quite happily bring you back in and I'll fix the rest for free. I, I, well, they'll fix themselves for free with my guidance, I should say. But I cannot sit here and I will not sit here and claim I have a 100% success record after eight years. I don't know. I would have to follow up with every single person and see. Because if even one of those drops out, now I've started smoking again. Oh, no, some of my anxieties come back. Mm. Okay, my success rates instantly dropped. It never stays where it is. Uh, pe people hate being questioned on it. It's, it's pure marketing. That's all it is. It's nothing else. You know? So with it all being anecdotal, I don't care. Prove it or it didn't happen. That's why I love you know, the evidence in front of me. And then I can challenge that. If I'm proven wrong, fantastic. You know, I, I get to learn. I don't care either way. You know, But I think there should be a lot more of it. And I think a lot more places... Um, you know, where hypnosis is taught, NLP is taught, you know, TFT, EFT, anything else, you know, if somebody is making claims in a class that this works X amount of time or cures XYZ, don't do another damn thing, but turn around and ask the tutor, can I have proof or yeah. it didn't happen? Yes. You no, know, that's simple. Mm. You know, but in a, in a nutshell, that's kind of where I, I kind of stand on that because I I hate egos kind of running rife, mm. you know. Mm. But if you if somebody asks you if you're good and you say you are, they say you've got an ego. Yeah. If they right. ask you good and you say, well, I'm I'm okay, then you don't get any referrals or anything else because they don't think you're very good. So at the end of the day, I call it as I see it. Yeah. Yes, I am good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I am good with the right client at the right time for the right reason with the right intervention for the right purpose that's <laughs> great yeah. great you know um, um there's a lot of music to my ears there craig um <laughs> thought there might um, be yeah yeah now um i'm, I'm this, this is wonderful stuff um how, how can people get in touch with you if they want to get if they want to find out to, um or ask you questions or things like that don't i get asked enough um <laughs> no um my website at the moment, I, I had one up years ago when I started and then when I started volunteering, I got 
a hell of a lot of referrals and stuff like that come through. So I don't usually use a website. Yeah. Um, but my business email, um, you can quite happily stick it down um, at the bottom of this. Yeah. Um, and that's Craig at rapidchangehypnotherapy.co.uk. And yes, I have had people say to me, rapid change? Yes, rapid. Mm-hmm. Well, how rapid is rapid? Well, I don't know. Have you had your problem 25 years? I mean, would, would two or three sessions seem okay? That to me is pretty rapid. Yeah. But basically, as long as it takes. Cool. Um, but they, they can feel free to drop an email through on that. I'll answer any and all questions when I can kind of get around to them. Um, they can grab me on, you know, Twitter because I'm on there as well now and again. Yeah, um, um, my Twitter one, I believe. Oh, I don't get asked for that one very often. Well, I'll tell just, you what. Um, I'm, just, I'm, just let me. I can. Um, I will. I'll dig it out. Make sure it's on the website and on my. Um, I'm, 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 on some of my other bits. Yeah. Um, I'll mention it. Brilliant. Yeah. Or grab me on Facebook or anywhere where you see me bodding around. Just feel free to say hi, ask a question, um, and I will. You know, I will get round to you. Um, as soon as I can in between everything else. So, yeah, feel free. Drop me an email and just say hi or whatever questions you have, just throw them over. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, 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 and just, just for the record, just an update on that, it's Craig underscore 33. Ah, my Twitter. Um, uh, yeah, your t- Craig's Twitter um, um, uh, is uh, Craig underscore 33. So, um, yeah, yeah, really cool. Um, 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 Craig, that's awesome. Awesome stuff today um um we're kind of done discussion and interview and 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 (laughs) diversity and everything all in one um uh, which which i kind of suspected would happen with you um there there is i was i was sorry i was just going to say there is there is one thing i listened to the um the podcast with reg last week yeah um and i've had a couple of people you know kind of saying you know how good it was and you know i have to concur because we always love kind of hearing from reg anyway he's brilliant yeah um but one of the things um that i'd like to point out to kind of anybody who's just starting it's something that is it's a lot easier for me in some ways because i question anybody and everybody and tick the whole bloody the whole facebook media and bloody everybody else off um is if you're just starting out never ever be afraid to question Mm. okay ever because at the end of the day, if you don't question, you don't learn. And like we've said earlier on, we get stuck in certain doctrines where this works, this works, this works, and it's never questioned. Mm. Okay. But take it from me. If you end up with a client who's in your office and you're ill-equipped with the tools that you've got to work with something such as trauma, PTSD, chronic depression, okay, at the end of the day, you don't want to be fishing around your toolbox looking for 101 things hoping it works. Right. Okay. So anything that you're asked, you know, feel free. Give your honest reply on it. Okay. Mm. What's the worst that can happen? But at the end of the day, question everything. Question what I'm saying. Question what our leading peers say as well. You know, yeah. I know I get a lot of people come to me going, Craig, you're a leading peer. You say this, this. No, I don't care. You know, I will give you my honest upfront answer if I believe it helps you. You know, I don't have the time to respond to everybody all of the time. Yeah. But question. Yeah. Question everything that is written, said, tested, claimed. Yeah, you- absolutely. You know, um, um, one of the one of the things that I, I'm always keen to champion 
upon 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 our own trainings, for example, is that people adopt an attitude of critical thinking and um, and be be a healthy skeptic. Yeah. Um, um, and and you know, healthy skepticism and critical thinking. A lot of people think, you know, well, that's that's um, you know that. that that there are that, that there are sort of darker sides that that somehow you're limiting what you do, but yeah. quite the contrary, you're you're being more creative, you're advancing your thought process, you're developing intelligent reasoning skills, and these are all things that I think are both vital in therapy. I think yeah. vital as as a hypnosis professional of any yeah. denomination, yeah. Um, and, and I think those are things that you embody. You absolutely embody that, and, and my experience you. of you has has really been. That you do that. Oh, that mean that means a lot. <coughs> so thank you very much for that. Um, um, thank you for that. Thank you for being here today and being it's on great. Hypnosis Weekly and, and accepting my my uh, my invitation forward slash uh, uh, <laughs> sort, sort, sort of persuasion. Go on, go on, go on. Um, no, no, um, no, I'm 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 glad you I'm glad you asked me. It's been it's been great fun. It really has. Um, um, um for all those people listening, um, um, go rewind, listen to that stuff again, um, um, and and roll your sleeves up, get into it because there's there's so much good stuff in there. Craig Galvin, thank you. Brilliant. Thanks, Adam. I really enjoyed that hypnosis discussion and interview all rolled into one mammoth offering this week. Um, now then, th let, let's look at uh, the hypnosis in the news. That's right. I remember what I'm doing now. Um, and the first story this week then is about a stage hypnotist called Chris Jones, who appeared on the US TV show America's Got Talent. And the, the, the article, the YouTube clip is entitled Howie Mandel Gets Hypnotized to Shake Hands on America's Got Talent 2015. So, yes, this is the show um, and the story that shows Chris Jones hypnotizing Judge Howie Mandel. The thing which I find typical is that as soon as the word hypnosis gets used, the TV producers decide to use mysterious music. And dramatic sounds effects. Um, they they make a big play of asking the audience that if they do not wish to be hypnotised, they must leave the auditorium. And they show this kind of uh, uh, people standing up in the dark, walking out, and so on. They add drama and they frame the entire thing, um, which which in and of itself is something quite different. You know, different mechanisms to what hypnosis actually is, and it creates a different frame altogether for what ensues. Now. The judge, Howie Mandel, has issues with shaking people's hands, apparently. Um, he then, um, he undergoes a hypnosis induction, is then given suggestions that the hypnotist has gloves on, and he then shakes hands with him twice, to much, mu much rapture of the audience and shock and awe of the fellow judges. Um, the judge then says that he cannot remember much of what actually happened, and the other judges have to actually tell him what happened. Um, and he's then hypnotised again by reading a message to himself to go to sleep. It was a lovely effect for the show. Um, and uh, he's then given suggestions stating that everyone has micro-thin protective gloves on and he shakes hands with the other judges um, um, and, and does it readily, you know, despite having this phobic response usually. And, you know, it's great entertainment, I think. Um, but as usual, and in a very similar fashion to the topic that I was discussing in our previous edition of Hypnosis Weekly, which I refer you back to, it perpetuates many a myth. 
You know, I thought this was a great demonstration of the power of the mind as far as how the response was for, of, of Howie Mandel. It's also, you know, a, a moderate demonstration of the power of suggestion. But I have to question the extraneous factors influencing the response that was elicited. You know, the expectation placed upon the, the person being hypnotised, the adopting of a supposed role that, that he did, you know, um, and because... He, he definitely was adopting a role. You can see that for yourself. And, and, and there was, you know, some feigning of certain elements of it. You know, there was there was the noise of the audience, the judges' comments and, and so much more which influenced the response beyond just hypnosis. And I suppose, you know, that's that's the very nature of stage hypnosis. Our second story is entitled, Do You Feel Loki? Hypnosis, Brainwashing and the Avengers. I'm not going to discuss it in lots of depth, but it's a really, really good story that I recommend people go and have a read of. It's, um, um, it's, it's a, an article about mind control stereotypes used in the Avengers um, and about the, uh, the hypnotic character that they've got and that they've developed within there and the amount of research that they've that they've gone into with regards to making this actually a moderately credible cartoon character hypnosis wielding type of um, 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 individual and it makes for some very interesting reading you know it's still not wholly accurate throughout but you know it's a cartoon and uh, thoroughly enjoyed that now this week's third news story makes me happy Former Hypnosis Weekly guest Chris Green, a.k.a. The Singing Hypnotist, apparently casts a sonic spell. So yes, indeed, um, um, the announcement in the news uh, is that later this month, The Singing Hypnotist goes live at the Albany Theatre in Deptford in London. And uh, links to all of these stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www hypnosis-weekly.com. That's hypnosis-weekly with a hyphen in the middle.com. Now I'm getting thrown a bit because next up straight away we're going into this week's factoid. Um, um, instead of this week's professional discussion and so on, uh, you know, and I'm a creature of habit if I'm anything, um, and so I'm going off in different directions. So this week's hypnosis fact of the week is this. It's that hypnosis can help in the treatment of warts. Yes, you heard me right, warts. There are loads of studies that have looked at this, yet it really is not as popular as you might think or, or, or as much as it ought to be as a result of this. In particular, a study by Spanos and colleagues back in the 1990s showed that suggestion with or without hypnosis actually outperformed the control groups and medication. And this is something um, um, for us to discuss, something for us to look at in a bit more depth. There are loads of studies that have looked at this, really loads of studies that have looked at using hypnosis with the treatment of warts. An excellent review of the psychological treatment of warts with particular emphasis on hypnotic procedures was provided by Dubrail and colleagues, um, including Spanos, back in the 1990s. Um, and in one particular study, those who received hypnotic suggestions for wart removal demonstrated a 50% cure rate, which I think, you know, um, um, that's um, assessed by the number of warts that were removed and the percentage of wart loss after six weeks. Um, 
And this was this is significantly higher than the rate achieved by subjects who'd been assigned to waiting list controls or had received cold laser placebo treatments. Um, I think it's fascinating. Um, Johnson and Barber, as far back as the 70s, found remission of warts for, for, for a number of subjects in, in their hypnosis group as well. Um, I'm certainly compared to focused contemplation, which you might think are quite similar. But there's many, many studies with regards to the treatment of warts. Um, and so that was, that was our fact of the week this week. Now then, Next week, I'll be welcoming hypnosis professional, former major legal eagle barrister lady, and now provocative coach, my good friend, Lucy Hyde. I interview her and we look at ways that hypnosis can be used in a coaching capacity rather than therapeutically, and where it fits in a coach's arsenal. Um, I know what many of you are thinking there until I got onto the final syllable. I have many more exciting guests that will welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions, along with the related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions, please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website. I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. The final point I want to make, uh, you'll remember our competition at the end of last year. Richard Ingate, who won that competition, came and was on my seminar in Edinburgh last Friday. And there were witnesses to prove it. Um, he came and took up his winning and, and attended that particular seminar, as well as another seminar later on this year. And I think we're going to get another competition of that ilk going in coming weeks. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and anywhere else, and really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks once again go to Mr. Craig Galvin, and my sincere thanks to you all for tuning in as you continue to do. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.